You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. What should I do? But things got crazy, and his impatience rose up and, and came against him. And he finally said, Withdraw your hand. Get out of here. I believe Saul wanted to prove himself as a good soldier. I think Saul really wanted to prove himself as a good soldier, but he wanted to prove himself a better soldier than his son. He saw himself in competition. Jonathan saw himself doing something for the Lord. Well, ambition is a great characteristic to have. It's important that we make sure our motives are in line with the heart of God. In some cases, we can be ambitious for the completely wrong reasons. In today's message, Pastor Dave reflects on the pride-driven ambition of King Saul, whose ambitions were for his own glory rather than God's. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 14 as he begins his message, Holdouts, Sellouts, and Hideouts. First Samuel 14, beginning in verse 16. Now the watchmen of Saul in Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and there was a multitude melting away, and they went here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Now call the roll and see who has gone from us. And when they had called the roll, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. For at the time, the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Now it happened while Saul talked to the priest that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled, and they went to the battle. And indeed, every man's sword was against his neighbor, and there was very great confusion. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding country, they also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, they also followed hard after them in battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle shifted to Beth-Avon. So you remember last week we began chapter 14 with Ventures in Faith. Jonathan woke up one morning and said to his armor bearer, let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised, that it may be the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. He said, let's see if God wants to deliver the Philistines into the hand of Israel today. Jonathan believed that the Lord wanted him to step out in faith. Jonathan believed that this was the Lord's will for them. He was trusting and believing in the Lord for a great victory to be won. The more Jonathan thought about it, he considered that there was no way the Lord would forsake Israel. Sure, the Philistines had a huge army, a multitude of army men, but God is greater than the odds. God had promised to do great things for Israel, and in the past, he had always been faithful, he had always been true, and Jonathan trusted in that. We've got a great example here in Jonathan. 
Trusting in the promises of God. Trusting in his great promises. We used to, I remember when we used to sing a song, standing on the promises of Christ the King, and oh, standing on the promises of God. That was a wonderful song. We all sang it. Do we? I mean, when trials and tribulations come our way, are we standing on the promises of God? Well, Jonathan was. Jonathan was standing on God's promises. He knew that God wanted Israel to be a great nation. He knew that God wanted Israel to wipe out those people that would come against them. And Jonathan believed that the Lord wanted to do something, and he can save the Lord with a many, or he can save, excuse me, he can save Israel with many, or he can save Israel with two. And so Jonathan said to his armor bearer, we're going to do this. We're going to step out in faith. He believed the promises. But As Jonathan stepped out in faith, he wanted to make sure that the thoughts that he was getting were from God and not from the pepperoni pizza he had the night before. He wanted to make sure that what was being led by was God. And I think this is fantastic. I think it is fantastic that Jonathan stepped out in faith, stepped out of his comfort zone, but he wanted to make sure that God was leading him. This is almost New Testament. To me, it's almost New Testament because in the Old Testament, when the, when the Israel was to leave, the cloud moved. Can you imagine? They're sitting down eating their brisket, and they're going, oi vey, the cloud's moving. And they got to run around and get everything up. And they followed the cloud. But here, Jonathan feels like he wants to step out in faith, that God's telling him something doing. We have the Holy Spirit in us, and the Holy Spirit gives us guidance and gives us things that we think we should do. And I think it's great to test everything to see if it's of God. I think it's really important to test everything. And Jonathan wants to test these things. So he comes up with this plan to make sure that it's the will of God that he and his armor bearer go forth. Because if it's not the will of God and they go forth, they'll probably die. They'll probably be killed by these Philistines. So Jonathan says to his armor bearers, well, this one, we're going to go show ourselves to the Philistines. And if they say, wait, we're going to come up to you, we're going to know that God's not in this and we're going to get out of here. But if they say, hey, come on down here we'll know that God has delivered the Philistines into the hand of Israel today. So they put this out there. Jonathan was stepping out in faith. The odds were enormously stacked against him, but he had confidence in God. God doesn't care about odds. He doesn't care about your enemy. He's already defeated your enemy. Your enemy has been defeated on the cross. Paul declares to the Romans, if God be for us, who can be against us? And we need to have that in our hearts. And this is what Jonathan understood this. So they go over to the garrison, and the centurion spotted two guys coming out and said, hey, look, look at these stupid guys coming down here. Wait a minute, we're going to come up and see you. That must have brought a smile to Jonathan's face. I can imagine Jonathan looking at his armor bearer and says, we got them. These guys are ours. You know what happened? They were climbing down on their hands and feet, and they're scrambling to get out into the camp of the Philistines. And boy, they jump right into the middle of the the garrison. Jonathan starts knocking guys down. The armor bearer starts chopping people in half. They go one half of an acre, the scripture says, and they kill 20 guys. They take out 20 Philistines. It's incredible. Everybody else starts waking up, and they're a little dumbfounded. They're discombobulated. What's all that noise? What's going on? They're what's happening. And, and they're, they're, they're thinking, when they see everybody dying, when they hear all the commotion, they think, oh, Israel has attacked us. We're being overrun. We need to get out of here. So they're all running around with their swords, and they're fighting each other. 
They're so confused that they're fighting each other and they're killing each other. They begin to run this way. They begin to run that way. Kind of like a Keystone Cop movie. They're all over the place running around. They don't know what one's doing or the other one's doing. It's pretty interesting. They were confused. They were unsure what was happening. But God was using two faithful servants. Two faithful servants to set all this up. Where was King Saul? Where was the king of Israel? Well, the last time we saw him, he was sitting under a pomegranate tree eating bonbons with 600 men surrounding him. He was relaxing. So as we pick up our study today, it appears that old King Saul finally woke up. He was awakened by the watchman and saw the Philistine multitude melting away. Look at verse 16. Now the watchman of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and there was the multitude melting away. And they were here, and they were there. He's watching this thing. He's going, what the heck's going on over there? What used to be this huge multitude is now this big. And they're all falling. What's going on over there? And he calls down to Saul. What's interesting here is that Saul doesn't say, grab your swords. We're going to go get them. No, he doesn't do that. The first thing, is, the first thing Saul says is, take roll. Take roll. All right, when you hear your name, call out. You know, they started going down the list. They took roll. The 600 guys, they take roll. Look at 17. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, now call the roll and see what's gone from us. And when they had called the roll, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. Taking a long time for Saul, the leader of Israel, to start leading. Why was he just sitting under a pomegranate tree when Jonathan was boldly trusting in God for this great victory? Well, you know, he might not have known. It was appeared that he didn't know that Jonathan went out there because we had read last week that Jonathan didn't tell his father that he was going. So let's give Saul some credit. He didn't know that Jonathan had gone out. But his insecurity made him so afraid that he didn't want to do anything. And the only reason he wants to go into battle now is because whoever's over there kicking butt and taking names has pared the few down now, and it seems like, gee, now the odds are in our favor. So we should go over. He's only going to go to a battle because it seems like a sure thing. One commentator said this, We are far from a bold, trusting God when we will only do what seems to be a sure thing. Go out and do something bold. If you fail and God wasn't really with you the way you thought he would be, then you still have to try. The armchair quarterbacks and backseat drivers have nothing to say to you, unquote. I like that. So basically what's happening, King Saul's waking up, he's rubbing his eyes, looks across, he sees the Philistines all running around in circles. He sees this battle going on. He sees two guys in the middle, and they're just wiping them out. Instead of rallying the troops, he takes attendance. Jonathan and Yarmba Bearer are missing. Why did Saul want to know that? Why was he doing that? Did it matter? You would think as king of Israel, he would find a strategic movement and move forward. Instead, what we already know from Saul that we studied back a while back, he was probably about who, worried about who was over there. And he was probably wondering, gee, are they going to get credit for this great victory and I'm going to be left out? I'm the king. We know that Saul liked to take credit. He took credit for Jonathan's last battle, remember? He had a lot of pride in him. A lot of things were going through his mind in chapter 13, 13. His father also could have been irritated that he was over there. He went without my permission, spoiled brat. What do I get him home? 
As we continue further in our study of 1 Samuel, as we look into the life of King Saul, we are going to continually find that he was somewhat of a control freak. He envied others' success. He was suspicious of any strategy that he didn't think of or approve. And he was ruthless when it came to removing people who challenged his leadership and told him he was a fool. So let's look at verses 18 and 19. And Saul said to Abijah, bring the ark of God here. For at the time, the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Now it happened while Saul talked to the priest that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Why would he ask for the ark? Why would he ask for the ark of God to come over? Was he trying now to all of a sudden look spiritual again? Was he trying to look spiritual? We know that he didn't have much of a spirituality about him. Was he thinking about taking the ark into battle? Didn't he remember how well it worked out for Eli when Eli took the ark into battle? So the king sees this great battle taking place. He calls for the ark, and he calls for the priest. And then as the priests are bringing the ark over, and as they're getting ready to do something, he says, oh, never mind. Once again, we see Saul's impatience. Once again, we see Saul's impatience, and he doesn't even take time to seek the Lord. In in his frustration, he fails to do the one thing that might have led him better, that might have made him a better king. He fails to seek the Lord. He heard the battle raging, so he took things into his own hand once again, acting self-confident and impatient. He never knew the Lord's will for him in that battle. And more importantly, he didn't receive the Lord's blessing. Why do I tell you this? How many of us run into battle without consulting the Lord? How many of us see a battle raging in front of us? We know we're going to have to take part in it. And instead of seeking the Lord, we roll up our sleeves and dive in. We do that all the time. When we're frustrated, when we're anxious, we automatically lean on our own understanding. We don't seek the Lord, and we don't acknowledge him, nor do we allow him to be our guide. And that's a loose phrasing of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your paths. This is not happening. Does it happen in your life? I have to admit, I have to stand before my congregation and say, it doesn't always happen in my life. Sometimes I'm like, wah! It happens. We need to ever be seeking the Lord. But even though we think about it like Saul, bring the ark over here. And he probably called for the ephod too. He called for the priest. He began right. He started out right. He was going to call on the Lord and say, Lord, bless this time. What should I do? But things got crazy and his impatience rose up and and came against him. And he finally said, withdraw your hand. Get out of here. I believe Saul wanted to prove himself as a good soldier. I think Saul really wanted to prove himself as a good soldier, but he wanted to prove himself a better soldier than his son. He saw himself in competition. Jonathan saw himself doing something for the Lord. Saul saw himself in competition with his son. I want to be as good as Jonathan. Saul wanted to avenge his enemies. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Saul was trying to fulfill his own agenda, not following God's agenda, nor honoring God at all. How many of you have an agenda that you follow regardless of what God's will is? 
How many of you every morning wake up with an agenda and not thinking about what God's agenda may be for you that day? And we go out and we plow through. Like one of those trains going through the snow with the thing on front of it and snow flying all over the place. That's what we do. And anybody gets in the way, just flies away. As we plow through our days, this is my agenda. Because we're impatient. Because we're prideful. And we rush into a spiritual battle unprepared. That's what Saul's doing right now. He's rushing into a spiritual battle. He's unprepared. God is still in control. God is proving to Israel, hey, you have a king, but I'm still in charge, guys. You might have had this king here, and I even put him there, but I got news for you, guys. I'm still in charge. I'm still taking care of things here. Recognize it. Give me glory and honor that's due my name, and you're going to be a lot better off. Instead of taking time to pray and ask God what he should do, asking God for guidance and help in the situation, just like us, Saul rushed into the battle unprepared with his own agenda. Withhold your hand. It basically means stop seeking answers for God. I know what I'm going to do. I find that to be troubling. I find that to be troubling. Every time I tell God I know what I want to do, I know God says, go get them, Dave. See how it works out, pal. Come on now. Go ahead. And he lets me go. And I come back all beaten and bruised up and my nose is skin. I said, look what happened, Lord. He said, oh, poor Davey. <laughs> Saul went into battle and he didn't, even, he didn't even give a, Lord, help me. <laughs> he didn't even give a quick, Lord, help me, please. I don't know. It's crazy. We, some, we, we, we fight these battles unprepared when we have Everything that's been given to us by our Lord, we should be prepared for these things if we would seek him, if we would spend time in his word, if we would spend time meditating on him, if we would spend time fellowshipping with him and praying to him, if we would take some time in these days, we would be so much more prepared for life's trials, tribulations, and afflictions and things that come our way. Now, granted, there are some things that will take you totally by surprise. I don't care how prepared you are. We need to do these things, so many of us. And I'm too, and I'm up to, you know, I'll, I'll get up in the morning and I'll start my list. I'm thinking, wait a minute. Now, what's your list, God? What was your list? Well, we don't know who God's going to put in front of you. We, we don't know who's going to be in front of you at the Wawa or at the gas station or wherever. We don't know who's going to be there. We, we don't know who God has for you to talk to that day or to see that day. We don't know. verses 20 through 23, I want to read them. Then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled, and they went to the battle. And indeed, every man's sword was against his neighbor, and there was very great confusion. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp, some surrounding country, they also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountain of Ephraim, and they heard that the Philistines fled, they also followed hard after them in the battle. Saul sees the battle raging, and now he wants to join the fight. He was insecure, and he was so afraid that he might fail. At first, he didn't want to do anything. He was confident to just to sit down. Now he wants to go into battle because it seems like it's a sure victory. God is doing a mighty work, and now Saul wants to be a part of it. 
One commentator said this, quote, we are far from bold trusting God when we will only do what seems like a short thing. Far from a trusting God when we're only looking for sure things. So the rest of Israel joins the fight. A great victory is at hand. God is doing a mighty thing through Jonathan and his armor bearer. Those who were in hiding, those who had deserted, are now coming part to take in the battle. Because the victory is near. So that they can say, we defeated the Philistines. They want to be a part of a great victory. Even those who had previously sided with the enemy now have joined the Israelites and fought against the Philistines. So I've taken these groups and I divided them into three categories. I divide them into three categories. I have the holdouts, the sellouts. Actually, that should be holdback. The holdbacks are holdouts, the sellouts, and the hideouts. Divided them into three categories that they have come into. And you look at verse 20, it says, they went into battle. These are the holdbacks or the holdouts. These are the ones out there to fight with the Philistines, but they didn't join the battle until the odds were in their favor. There are ones who are standing back on, let's, wait a minute. Okay, now, looks like we're going to win. Let's get them, guys. And they're the ones that joined the battle. In verse 21, it, it seems that many in Israel had the insecure heart of Saul. These Hebrew deserters to the Philistines probably hated their masters, but were afraid to stand free in the Lord. And they would only come out for uh, Israel when victory was assured also. These were the sellouts. These were the sellouts. They have forsaken Israel at one time, and they supported the Philistines, but now it seemed like Israel was going to be the winner, so now they were jumping ship. I don't know about you, but an awful lot of sports fans like that, an awful lot of sports fans like that who tell you who their favorite team is until their favorite team starts to take a couple on the chin. Oh, I don't like that team anymore. I'm done with them. Then the team starts to pick up speed, you know. Then all of a sudden they win a big game and they're wearing the jersey. Yeah, baby. They're all strutting their stuff now because they're a fan of that team. They're sellouts. They're sellouts. I'm not going to mention any names, Eagle fans. Oh, I didn't mention any names. I just slipped out. I'm sorry. I'm not going to mention any names, but, you know, we have these favorite teams, you know, and they all, you know, all of a sudden you want to wear their jersey when they're going to the playoffs. Yeah, I rooted for them all along. What? Excuse me? I rooted for them all along. Yeah. No. These guys sold themselves. They were slaves, and they were angry, and they were, they were supporting the Philistines. And all of a sudden, they see this great battle, but he won and go, you know, we got to get in this mix, and we're going to be for Israel now. Yeah. Man, we don't want people like that. That's scary. Those people are scary. Those people are scary. The sellouts. Verse 22, it says, others in Israel's, when the Philistine oppression became severe, they just ran away. Remember all the ones that went and hid in caves and up trees and all that kind of stuff? They went and they hid. And now, once again, the battle seems assured in the hands of the Israelites, so now they're coming out of their, he- their hiding places. They're the hideouts. They're coming out of their hiding places. And they, they left the battle lines because of all the people there. But now they said, oh, look, here we go. We can do this. Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of 1 Samuel and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. 
You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. Well, we'd like to invite you to join us in person for church at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Right now, we're following the Lord's guidance and remaining closed. However, we are still holding services online. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 on Facebook and YouTube. Just follow the links you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. We're also streaming our Wednesday service at 7 p.m., along with Bible study and devotionals each week. It's important to stay connected to church community during this time, so we hope you'll join us. Is there anything we could be praying about for you? Please let us know. Call us at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Would you pray for us too? Please keep Pastor Dave and all of us at Calvary Chapel Cape May in your prayers, that we'll be wise in our decisions, and that we'll stay in tune with the desires of Christ. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of 1 Samuel, right here on A Sure Hope.